Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll talk about the famous out-of-body traveler, Bob Monroe. Bob Monroe died in March of 1995, but while he was living, he was probably the best known and certainly the most credible out-of-body traveler in the Western Hemisphere during the 20th century. He had built a long and successful career in broadcasting, had a background in engineering, and was a pilot. So he was your down-to-earth American businessman. I knew him only slightly, but several of my friends knew him well, and all agree Bob Monroe would fit that description. In 1971, he wrote an extraordinarily well-documented book titled Journeys Out of the Body, which chronicles his experiences when, at first involuntarily, his consciousness began to leave his body. Once he got over his fear and got the hang of it, he was able to leave his body at will and travel with his consciousness to a number of interesting places. Sometimes he'd merely take a trip down the street or around town and gather convincing evidence that he had indeed been where he said he'd been. But he also traveled to more exotic places. One of them was apparently another world where he could join his consciousness with another version of himself. Now, in doing so, he got that version of himself into trouble once or twice, and it makes for interesting reading. So do his comments on astral sex. About the time that his first book was published, Bob Monroe set up the Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences, later shortened to the Monroe Institute. By working extensively with sound frequencies and patterns, Monroe and his colleagues found a way to more closely synchronize the left and right hemispheres of the brain. This often had the effect of allowing a person to go immediately to the theta state of brainwave patterns, one of deep concentration, previously achieved for the most part only after a long period of meditation. Now, in the theta state, the brain follows whatever frequency is introduced. So it's called, naturally enough, the frequency-following response. So the scientist at Monroe experimented with thousands of sound recipes that were associated with memory, concentration, creativity, and the like. They were then able to produce tapes, which subsequently became CDs and now would be sound files, uh, in which, uh, in addition to their patented hemisync technology that quickly brings a person to theta, they also had specific sound patterns on them for different purposes. Now, at the Monroe Institute, about two dozen people a week can still come and listen to the sound files and share their experiences with others in the group. Over the years, many thousands of people have come to enhance the abilities of their consciousness and learn methods and techniques whereby 
they might get some practical results from using it. Many of them have improved their lives in a number of conventional ways, such as sleeping more soundly, concentrating better, learning faster, improving sports skills, enhancing creativity, and developing greater intuitive abilities. Now, more significant for our purposes, many people have been able to use it to become conscious of other realities. In some of them, space and time are experienced differently, while in others, people apparently became aware of or experienced other existences in which they were involved. Certain individuals learned to extend their consciousness into non-physical realms of existence. In 1985, Bob Monroe's second book, Far Journeys, was published. There he recounts just a small portion of his most significant experiences in the 15 years since publishing his first book, which was Journeys Out of the Body. He tells how he traveled through various realms of existence and communicated with intelligent beings through nonverbal communication. Of course, what he reports to us in words can only be a pale reflection of the experiences themselves, but as Monroe explains, he does the best he can. Similarities there to what a number of psychics told Larry Lachan in that they really couldn't describe what they experienced in our words. Over the years, Bob was able to make contact with a variety of intelligent personalities who were capable of assuming various forms to help teach him about illusions and other matters, or who would, at times, choose to assume no form at all. Now, Monroe was able to travel through what he called rings of existence beyond Earth, in which different types of personalities predominated. They ranged from the spirits of some who had recently died but didn't realize it, through entities at various levels of development and training, all the way to those who were preparing for their last sojourn on Earth. In this way, what Monroe experienced was strikingly similar to the after-death after stages of development that were described by Frederick Myers, Betty White, and others. He was also able to visit one future probable version of Earth around the year 3000, and was informed by the intelligences which guided him there that this was indeed just one probability, one of many which could be brought into focus. Now, what he learned there was the inspiration for my creating the Jack and Jill scenario, uh, which uh, is fictional, and which I created uh, to illustrate that from a certain perspective, we who are living today are the ancients in the year 3000. I'll read that fictional scenario in our next session. In the probable future that Bob visited, there were no factories, roads, planes, cars, houses, telephones, or any other indicators of modern existence. Spirits who came to Earth at that time understood that they were basically spirits and went in and out of different bodies as they pleased. Physical bodies were easily constructed from Earth materials, protected in special energy cocoons, and available for inhabiting when a spirit felt it could learn something from the experience. 
if they needed sustenance, sustenance, they didn't have to eat the way we do today. They just stretched their arms out and absorb life-sustaining energy from the universe. Now, apparently many spirits who presently inhabit bodies as we do now no longer bother coming back to earth by that time. One of the main reasons for spirits to visit the planet in that probable future is to experience earth life from the perspective of many different species. Now, Bob got a sampling of that when in quick succession he followed his host in joining his consciousness with, among other things, an eagle, a fish, a leaf, a storm cloud, and a panther. That concludes uh, our discussion today, and as I said, in the next session, I'll read the fictional Jack and Jill scenario. Once again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.